Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. Another week, another awesome episode of Sisla Talk coming in, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I've got a really special episode. It's a first for me on the history of Sisla Talk. I've reached out to my good friends over at Know Before and said, you know, I'd like to hear from a CISO of a security company. And they complied. So coming up in just a minute, Brian Jack, the CISO over at one of my favorite companies, Know Before, is going to be joining the show to talk about what do security companies need to know about security? Because how many of them typically is the uh, uh, shoemaker walking barefoot? But before we do that, please make sure to subscribe. Go check out the CyberHub podcast if you haven't yet. CyberHub podcast has daily content every single day, Monday through Thursday, starting with our practitioner brief, which is live at 9 a.m. on our YouTube channel at CyberHub podcast, my LinkedIn page, and also our Facebook page. So go and check that out. And now without further ado, Let's bring up Brian because it's CISO Talk time. Here we go, folks. From the CyberHub Bunker in studio, you're listening to the CISO Talk podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Brian, what's happening, man? Good afternoon, James. Nice to be here. <laughs> nice to have you here. I see your Florida Gators thing behind you. I'm like, okay. We'll get into that. We'll get into we'll, that. We'll, big we'll game this weekend. Big, big game. All right. <laughs> so uh, for folks tuning in, Brian Jack is the Chief Information Security Officer at my friends over at Know Before. And you guys know Know Before. They've been our first and our most consistent sponsor of all of our shows. I'm always grateful for their support. They're the one sponsor who never gets in division. They're just like, we want you to do your content the best way possible. And I love that about good companies. So Brian, their internal CISO, no one knows you exist. Everyone knows Jason McQuiggan and my co-host on the other side of Cyber, JJ. And they know Eric and Javad and Roger and Perry and Kai and Yella and then all these awesome people, but no one knows who Brian Jack is. Who are you, Brian? How'd you get into security? Well, yes, those are all our evangelists. Those are like <laughs> the public face of No Before. Those are great guys. They go out and they do all of our 
the the marketing and the um, the trade shows and the presentations and this and that. I love that team. I just talked with them this week about how we can overcome some of the challenges that they're facing because of some of the restrictions that I've put in place. Um, so uh, how did I get started in security, right? We can get there. So you can see over here, Florida Gators flag, um, attended the University of Florida, uh, degree in computer science. Um, as part of my senior project, I was part of a program there. They have a unique program there called the IPPD. Can't recall what the acronym stands for, but basically it's a bunch of engineers. They pull together, they get a corporate sponsor and they give them a project. And my project happened to be with Raytheon building a wireless honeypot. Uh, and so through that, I got this experience of doing security, working a little bit deeper on uh, Linux OS. We built this bootable CD, because that's what you used back then. You pop it into a laptop, and uh, the laptop fired up, and you had deployed yourself a wireless honeypot, take it down to Starbucks, open it up, and, and you're good to go. Um, so that got me super interested in security uh, to the point where, you know, coming out of a large university like that, when you're, 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 you're vying for that first job out of college, a lot of people struggle with that. How do I get that first job? Um, I had to set myself apart. Um, I was working in a neuroscience research lab, as a research assistant. I was not really getting like IT sort of experience. So I said, let me take two weeks, take a little mini loan, my little credit card I had in college. And I got my certified ethical hacker. It was, the cert had been out for a couple of months. Um, and I thought, well, that's cool. Um, I like the security aspect. I like tinkering around. You know, back in the days, AOL chat rooms, you have your uh, all those different hacking groups, your crackers and stuff. I was, you know, did all that fun stuff. I think everybody that was on AOL back then got a little bit into that. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I got uh, started. I was very fortunate that um, having done that, having the certified ethical hacker on my um, resume was I think one of the biggest things uh, that helped me land my first job. Um, I ended up handing my resume to a guy some of you may have heard of, he recently testified at Congress, named Charles Carmichael. He's the SVP and CTO at Mandiant, um, also a Florida Gators grad um, and one of my sort of mentors I still talk to here and there. Um, and he just liked my resume back then at the time. I think he was like a manager or managing director at PwC. Um, and I think I was one of like the three people out of UF hired that year. Very fortunate to get that start. Um, so I worked in PwC, um, DC area, um, government, audits, pen testing, vulnerability scanning. I worked with a ton of sharp people there. Um, some directors at Facebook now um, one was even a, um, a producer on Mr. Robot, making sure that they were getting all of their scenes correct. Um, if you watch Mr. Robot, it's really good. Um, they actually do a lot of things correct on screen when it comes to like that actual hacking parts. Um, and so I worked at PwC for a little bit, did some, did some pen testing there, um, moved back to Florida, uh, worked at Raytheon for a little while. Uh, I couldn't exactly tell you uh, what I did at Raytheon, one, because I don't really remember, uh, and also the other parts I can't tell you um, because they were in a skiff somewhere, um, and that's uh, just, that's all I can say about that. Um, <laughs> so I, I convinced Raytheon one day to send me off to Black Hat, 
And um, at Black Hat, I came across a booth of a company I'd never heard of, but they were down the street in Florida. They're called Sunbelt Software. Um, and Sunbelt Software, as you know, um, my, my current CEO at Nobefore, Stu Showerman, that was his previous company um, prior to starting Nobefore, where they built an antivirus product called Viper. Um, and uh, I worked on a project called CW Sandbox, which was an automated malware analysis sandbox. It got really, really popular. Um, and so I was part of that team that did the sales engineering development of it, um, automation around it, malware analysis, and that sort of got me to a point where um, I was pretty familiar with um, malware, exploits, analyzing threat URLs, phishing sites, phishing kits, um, pretty well versed up then. Stu knew um, who I was, and so when he started No Before, um, he'd actually contracted me. I had formed many, many years ago, I had formed an independent consulting, an LLC for myself, um, in case anybody ever wanted to hire me to do anything on the side. Um, and so I had picked up a little bit of contract work here and there. But um, Stu actually hired me to start writing, or hired my company uh, to start writing some of the initial code for No Before, um, me and a, and a couple of other guys who had their own company. Um, and that basically, a little bit of consulting gigs here and there, doing incident response and um, penetration testing. Um, but that that takes you back to 2010 when um, No Before was founded. And I I was I was there from the beginning. It was 11 years. A couple days ago was the 11-year anniversary of me being at No Before. So your employee number what at No Before? Um, if you look in the official system, uh, it'll say something like 18. But that's off because that's when the people who started originally as independent contractors were forced to convert over um, from their contractor status. But um, it, it was really, back in the day, it was Stu, and Stu had brought on me and two, two other guys. Uh, and um, this is before Kevin Mitnick was involved. Um, and, and basically, the, the three of us developed the core products from the start. Um, those two guys just recently um, are kind of working a little bit uh, on some other things. Um, but uh, we... Um, that's it. I mean, basically employee two, <laughs> two, three. We all started roughly the same time, so can't tell who's starting to do what then. Um, yeah, yeah okay. original crew. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, it says a lot about a company when someone's in there, especially in a security role for, for over a decade, right? <laughs> That's a, you're like an anomaly. I think it's like you and then David Levin over at Rico. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty much it. So let's talk a little bit about leadership, because obviously you've sure. been in this role now for over a decade. You've built and you've you've kind of looked at building your team. And there's obviously a lot of different challenges, right? We say there's a shortage of cybersecurity people, yet you know, a lot of us believe that there's a um, the job descriptions are really wrong. They kind of set the wrong set of skills that keeps people out. What are some of the intangible skills you look for when you're looking for people to join your team? What are some of the skills that maybe aren't on the CV? but are really critical for you to hire someone. Sure. I, I'm a really, um, I'm really kind of an anomaly as a hiring manager. Um, and I will tell people that when I start an interview, that this is going to be a little bit of a different interview that you're not used to, because once I see your resume, um, I, I kind of got an idea of your technical abilities because on your resume, you're going to put, you're going to put everything possible on your resume that you want me to know about you. But what you can't put on your resume is who you are. Uh, and so 
I'm trying to discover some of these intangibles about you. What makes you you? What makes you interesting and unique? Um, how are you going to bring a little bit of a different perspective, right? You don't want everyone on the same team with the same mindset, having gone to the same college, through the same courses, the same certs. A little bit of diversity there goes a long way. Um, i give some examples. I have some people on my team with master's degrees, bachelor's degrees, no degrees, degrees with minors in Chinese and international studies and history. Um, but the one thing that's consistent is Everybody is an extremely good um, figure it out person. I need you to be able to figure it out. So bring some raw abilities and be able to figure it out. Um, I need you to be able to fit in really well with the team. Um, personalities being able to mesh together. Um, it's kind of like family building a little bit. Um, I've really proud of my team. I've built a really tight knit team. They enjoy hanging out with each other outside of work. Um, and that's important to me because I feel like that when you're in a tough situation, you'd be able to rely on people. Um, and I think building a really good chemistry is sometimes almost as important as having like a ton of really good skill sets. I try to pick and choose different skill sets of Okay, you have the basics, you use Security Plus, CI, SSP. Okay, I start to look at some of the other things like, do you have any specialist certs? Um, I don't rely too much on certs. I don't rely too much on degrees. I like to uh, get an idea of what you've done. Do you have a GitHub page? Have you done any projects? Do you know how to script some fun things in automation, you know, like, like in Python? Um, I know like... Um, I learned a lot of scripting, Python and PHP, by just having a... Like, hey, I want to automate pulling down uh, uh, share prices from Yahoo stocks, and then I want to track them in a database, and I want to ju like just to be able to think up an idea, learn a little bit of coding, and then demonstrate that you could do it. That to me goes extremely far. Back to that sort of figured out mentality. Um, so those are some of the kind of intangibles. Is that um, I like to bring on different people with different skill sets, uh, maybe different backgrounds, having worked in different industries before, um, having worked with different products, even if we don't use those products. Still, that kind of um, uh, having that diversity of knowledge, I think, is, is goes a long way. We can teach you the products we use, um, but I want you to kind of bring something new and fresh. So when we have brainstorming sessions, you, it's not everybody coming up with the same idea. Yeah, the diversity of thought that you speak of is so critical, right? It's, you know, I think you and I have all sat in a, in a, in a, on a call or in a meeting where everyone agrees with what one person says. And you're kind of wondering why isn't there a little pushback? Pushback's effective. Even if it's wrong, it's good. It's, it, it gets you to defend your, you know, there's a reason we say I defend my thesis in college, mm -hmm. Right. Because you come up with an idea and people are there to break it down, not because they hate you, not because they don't like you, but because you need to be able to defend the position you take. So it's good to get someone to defend the position they take. And cybersecurity is a practicing type of job, right? It's kind of like medicine. Mm -hmm. We practice medicine. We practice security. You know, that's why we, we are called, that's why I refer to people as practitioners. Um, yes. Because there's, we're, we're not an exact science. Right. We're not a uh, 
uh, we're, we're not exactly what what people would consider to be you know perfect on on that end of it but I, if i need people that are going to challenge me i think all my ideas are great right everybody's like oh, this is a great idea i need people on my team that are willing to tell me you know what i your idea might not be so good um yeah. but then i need them to give me a reason why i don't need you to just challenge me and let it go i need okay why but if you're not quite sure go figure out why why do you think that's not such a good idea i think that's super important too because you have to think of hacker mentality i like to i like to also look at people that have that kind of that hacker mentality is like how would i do that how would i break that um and if you have everybody thinking along the same path you're going to have nobody that's thinking of well uh, at step two right there i don't know if i would go about doing that i think i would take this other path so when you're doing these you know like attack graphs and things like that you kind of want to get an idea of what lots of different people might think in that situation so you can maybe cover those different scenarios instead of always thinking it's always going to be the same attack scenario um just that diversity of thought super important and so critical yeah so so critical let's talk a little bit about CISO leadership what what's okay. that one skill you think CISO needs to have in order to be an effective leader i think they have to have a nice balance of understanding the technology, the technical terms, um, but also being able to translate that into, let's say you have some really, really technical risks or some risks. You need to be able to properly explain that to people who are not familiar with those terms. So to be able to translate real technical risks and why you might need a tool, need an additional resource, or we have to drop everything and fix this right now. That's not always going to be very well understood when you're using super technical terms. Like when the MITRE attack framework said that scenario set, they don't, the business doesn't understand that part. Right. So being able to say, I understand the technical side, okay, and I can explain that to my team and the engineers, but then I can also take that and say to the CEO or to the board or to the head of sales or somebody, hey, here's the reason why we need to change something up. Here's how it affects you and use the terminology that they're familiar with. I think being able to communicate effectively the risks to all aspects of the organization at a level and in the terminology that they best understand um, so that they're not confused as to why you're doing it or why things are changing or what's the real risk here. Um, I think that's a really important key. Um, part of being that sort of leader and being able to say, okay, well, I make a good CISO um, because I can I can talk everybody's language um, from the head of engineering to senior developer, platform engineering, SRE to sales rep, um, customer's success manager, um, or even to the customer, someone who's bringing a totally different perspective of why they perceive risk in a certain way. Um, you need to be able to explain it um, a little bit differently if you're communicating to a certain audience. That's really key. Indeed, that's absolutely true. Let's talk a little bit about security. Okay. So Sis says, obviously, you know, security is in our nature. It's in our DNA. It's what we do. Hmm? What, what aspect of security do you spend the most time on and why? I spend a lot of time at this point making sure that my team has everything that they need to do the things I need them to do. Uh, I think years ago, 
I was doing a lot of hands-on stuff. Um, I still am very hands-on and some people would think I'm a little bit too hands-on. Um, but uh, I spend a lot of my time, as you can imagine at Nova before, I deal with people a lot. Um, long writing code, things like that. Okay, well, I'm not dealing with the code, I'm dealing with the developer. Um, or on the other side, oh, why did you share that file that way? I'm not, I've already caught that. The file was, the file shared, we pulled it back, whatever. But now I have to deal with the person. But why, why did you do that? How can we correct that behavior, that action? Um, that still is largely, or um, why can't I do this thing on my machine? Okay, well, we've put a technical control in place because, and then I'm sort of still dealing with a person in a way where, again, I'm just back to that communication thing. I spend a lot of my time communicating to people reasons why or why not something is the way it is. Um, and that is that is still a lot, at least at a CISO level. Um, it's still really a ton of communication to people um, that I find myself doing. Yeah, so, you know, when you talk about communication, you're obviously referring to leadership, uh, to relationships, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of like trying to understand how the business wants to use X and then how do you, you securely accommodate the usage of X within that team? Would mm -hmm. that be kind of an accurate, you know, when you talk about communication, would that be fairly accurate? Yeah, so for, for me, my team is involved in a lot of things, right? So I'm the CISO, I'm also the data protection officer, I also facilitate all of our security assurance side. So we're dealing with product compliance, things like ISO and SOC 2 and FedRAMP. Um, my team handles third-party risk management. So we're involved in evaluating all of the software or services or contractors or anything that the company's bringing in. Um, we administer the security awareness training program uh, for Nova 4. We're involved in product and code security. And then we're also involved in endpoint device security and network security. So um, if there's say, you know, the the um, HR team uh, needs to be able to use a local scanner or a printer, something like that. Well, we've disabled that. Um, and then it's communicating, well, why? What are the risks? Can And then I work with IT to figure out how can we accommodate, should we accommodate? Should we provide an alternative solution, a web a network printer or something like that? So it's a ton of still... Working with the people, so building that relationship with with um, not just the sector heads, not just the business leaders, but also building that relationship all the way down to the people who just started um, and working through the issues they're having and, like I said, why they can or can't do something. What are the, why do we have these security controls in place? Um, why do I get so many phishing tests? Um, these are things that we have to... Uh, effectively communicate uh, with them so they understand the mission. I think this goes on to some of the further questions of like, you know, how do you build security culture? Uh, I have to be there and, and be available, which I like being available for everybody, but everybody from the top of the business all the way down to someone who just started interns, um, they know who I am, they know I'm available. Um, so that's largely... It's largely what I guess like, is a lot of my day. 
uh, is, is just communicating with people, just sort of coordinating stuff between my team, between other teams. Um, so what you're essentially that. saying is a security company, CISO, faces the same exact challenges as a non-security company, CISO, faces. A hundred percent. But here's the kicker, though. If something were to happen at a security company, boy, that's just so much more impactful now, isn't it? Uh, so um, I am, I would say, held to a bit of a higher standard uh, when it comes to those sorts of things. Um, it is a bit of a challenge, yes, being a CISO at a security company. I don't know it any other way. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I would want to. Um, I, I find it that it does have its challenges, but um, I can always go back to that. Well, why do we do it this way? Because you work at a cybersecurity company, that's why. Um, and I think when people, maybe they come from a company that's not a cybersecurity company and they have maybe some bad habits or they're used to a different culture and they come in, I kind of say, you work at a security company now we have to do things a little differently. We are held to a higher standard. Um, and so it's the same challenges. But I think it's also nice because I get to I get to use that. Uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know if it quite is the same. But we have to do these things because you work at a medical devices company. <laughs> like it doesn't have the same impactful um, gusto to get that person like, you know, motivated on the right path, I guess. Nothing wrong with medical device companies. Like they have lots of restriction, everything in place. It's just... <laughs> so, so let me let me let me kind of take this uh, onto on the practitioner side. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing any challenges within security that practitioners are getting really good at solving? Like we're over this hump of this specific security challenge. Um, you still see a lot of the same stuff. Um, I think uh, tactics are changing. Um, I think. There are in some areas. I think there, some businesses are stuck in their ways, and so they will still continue to face the same challenges where other businesses have evolved and decided to make a change and adopt a new way of doing things that essentially partially or totally mitigates um, a particular problem or risk that there used to be. Um, it comes with different challenges, moving some things to the cloud, moving all things to the cloud. You face different challenges. You need different set of tools. Um, there are but still fundamentals. Brian, do you think there's a specific challenge where we can say, you know what, there's enough stuff there now where this shouldn't be a problem anymore? I think shouldn't be is the keyword. Shouldn't be, yes. I think there's technologies out there where some things shouldn't be a problem anymore. However, there's still human error somewhere in implementation or failure to deploy to 100% of devices or failure to patch quick enough. Um, so I don't think that there's any particular thing that is totally overcome because I don't think that any individual is perfect. And so there will still be flaws with things. You can have a great product and you configure it, but there's always going to be some way. And I, I, like, I won't touch too far on the whole social engineering topic or anything, but like, that's a problem that is is going to exist, um, right? And that's I think the human element problems are are you're absolutely right. Until we rethink technology, 
where technology complements and like kind of yes it's kind of like lane assistance in your car right yes it doesn't really stop like it's not going to keep you in your lane for the most part unless you you're driving a tesla right but it's going <laughs> to let you know you're kind of stepping out of bounds and that technology supports the weakness of humans when it comes to driving maybe their attention to the road mm-hmm. their lack of lane control all that good stuff right so so in security the human aspect the, you know we do technology wrong i think altogether right we kind of do technology to uh identify weaknesses in technology rather than support the weaknesses of humans interacting with said technology you know Correct. it's a flawed the our model is flawed to begin with there will always be someone who needs an exception Right, so I can implement the best firewall in the world. And honestly, some things like basic network fire, preventing outbound connections to known bad command and control domains, that should be 100% solved. Uh, however, you can't because can, command and control domains are always changing, and then you rely on your firewall vendor or the feed that you have going in to be perfect. Um, so... Yes, it can mitigate most of the stuff. I think the problem is a lot of times it's very uh, reactionary um, instead of uh, forward-looking and, and being proactive. And um, the, I, I, a lot of products simply can't be uh, proactive. They're, they're yeah. just by the nature, they're reactive. And I think that's is only so good you can get there. So you, you got to well, rely on something else. There, there's a nature in security to always be reactive, to always putting out the fire, right? And that's kind of, you know, the difference between, I think, what I like to call the old school group of CISOs to the modern CISO, right? The modern CISOs, we're more looking to be proactive, more out there, more. How do I fireproof this building? Yeah. Somebody's going to start a fire. I just want to make sure the building won't burn down. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to have to uh, quote you on the book on that one. Uh, (laughs) You know, kind of the definition of the modern CISO. But but you're you're absolutely right. There's so many different aspects to go with that um, that we've really got to think outside the box. Let's talk about security culture because here's the okay. thing. That's that's a big one, right? And you know, you talked about the human factor. No before is known for the human factor. Mm-hmm. And you're the internal CISO. And I'll tell you something. I kind of want to preface this because mm-hmm. I kind of want to set the bar. Two years ago, pre-COVID. Had a, um, I partnered with the embassy over of the Czech Republic. They brought a delegation from the Czech Republic to Atlanta. I got to play a host for a day. And I did a workshop for some of these companies. And it, they were all cybersecurity, either vendors or companies that were selling service, were looking to expand their business into the US, specifically Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, show of hands, how many of you guys have gone through a security awareness training? when you were onboarded by the security company you work for? Few hands went up, few. How many of you guys have done any sort of security training over the last 12 months? Fewer hands. So like, it seems almost like security companies think that, that, hey, we're a security company, so there's no need for us to worry about security. Talk a little bit about security culture. How do you enhance it in an organization that's all about security culture? Sure, so. You have to keep in mind that people aren't born into a mindset of security awareness. These are learned habits. Um, and generally, you're not getting everybody fresh out of college. They haven't learned unsafe 
business habits. They come from other jobs. They bring different experience. That's what you want. But they're bringing pieces of some other culture or something they learned or didn't learn from there into your organization. Regardless of it being security or anything like that, you have to keep in mind that treat everybody as fresh. Um, you got to get to them soon and right away. So for us, we have found that, yes, people are coming. Maybe they're going to come start to work at No Before. Great. Okay. We're the cybersecurity company of security companies, right? We, we do this awareness thing. People don't naturally come in the door on day one having this heightened awareness. We have to instill that in them through, gosh, good habit forming. Um, we have a new hire. We have a great new hire system. We call it No Before University. As part of No Before University, you meet with a member of my team for about an hour and a half, and we go through drills um, and all kinds of other um, cybersecurity um, related things on top of the awareness training and how to handle files, uh, confidential files and data privacy training. We do an in-person or through webinar now with every single person. One that gives them a chance to meet my team, um, gives them a chance to sort of um, ask questions. Um, and then we continue to talk about security topics every day. It's a benefit of being at a security company where your security culture can be and is just, it feels natural to discuss. We have a morning meeting, all staff, the entire company. And um, in that morning meeting, security topics are discussed. Current events are discussed. Um, and because you know, we like to talk about breaches and hacks and, and phishing and things like that. It's constantly staying top of mind. So sometimes I get on the meeting and I'm, hey, everybody, this one is extra important. This one can absolutely affect us. Contact my team, reach out, hit us up. We're here to help. We're not here to continue to, you know, hit people down. Um, so we try to, from the start, from day one, here's our culture. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what habits you learned. We have a new set of habits here because we're held to a higher standard. We need you to identify phishing tests. We need you to identify suspicious phone calls. You're getting something on your personal phone that's a little weird. You're getting these things that like aren't really phishing or anything, but people, they like want to talk to you about market research in your industry. Like this is it's maybe on the borderline of just trying to extract some information and these things get talked about. So people are aware that they're happening. They're aware what to look out for. And then they know what to do. Right. Contact security team. Hit my fish alert button. Um, it's just we make it very easy for people to ex access my team. Um, and there's no stupid questions. Never make anybody feel bad about asking a question that they might say, this is such a stupid question. I feel so bad answering. No, no, no. No stupid questions, only stupid answers. Yep. Um, so ask away. Um, that's You got to build that culture and don't assume that even if somebody's coming from another security company, that they're coming with the knowledge that you need them to have at your company's culture. Um, it's, it's 
a little bit eye-opening sometimes. You'll talk to some people, you'll hire some people from security companies, and they like don't they like didn't do regular phishing tests or something, so they like don't know how to react or respond. Um, I said, hey, no, before we we fish test people a lot uh, to the point where people get really annoyed. Um, but that's okay. I don't really care. I need you to not click on actual phishing emails, which any company, we still get them. Um, but they're very quickly identified, uh, which is really, really good. So that that's that's the part I'm happy about. Is everybody knows exactly what to do when they get one. Um, I love it. I love it. Time for my favorite part of the podcast. Let's get right. to know you a little bit better with the CISO Insight Round. We've got a buzzword graveyard. Bury one buzzword in my buzzword graveyard. I thought about this a lot. And I couldn't necessarily come up with any, but I absolutely hate the term AV. Uh, I also hate antivirus. I think it's dead <laughs> and it needs to be buried a long time ago because it's totally ineffective for stopping real world threats. So bury the term and the technology, find something new. Buried, done with. <laughs> One technology that'll change the way we practice cybersecurity in the future. I thought about this one too. I'm going to have a little bit of a non-traditional answer. Um, I I hope this changes. Um, but Windows. Uh, I think Windows is going to have to change quite a bit. Um, because if it doesn't change, we're still going to have a ton of openings and information security people still going to be patching. So I hope... Windows and Microsoft gets it together and they change some things around that will cause change for the good on the InfoSec side because, man, people are tired of seeing critical patches every single month. Um, got help us out, Microsoft. I, I, I've got a great Patch <laughs> Tuesday shirt for October that I'm going to be debuting. So people will tune in for that. Let's talk about what's the current book you're reading? Um. Current, but most recent one I've read um, have to be like Atomic Habits. Um, uh -huh. Also read Ten Percent Happier, um, which is a good one. I like the whole mindfulness and and uh, I think that actually you know CISO is pretty can be a pretty stressful job. Um, mm -hmm. Learn a bit of learn a bit of meditation here and there actually can go quite a long way. Other than that, it's like I don't know unicorn stories or something like that. Not businesses going to a billion dollars, but actually like putting my kids in bed with unicorn stories. What are you streaming right now? We turned on your Netflix. What's the first thing that pops up? I don't get a lot of time to watch my own stuff. Um, I think the most recent thing that we've been streaming is the new Paw Patrol movie. Okay. The kids are addicted. Um, it's 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 going to be kid stuff. If I had to pick like an actual show, um, it would. Um, I'm a big college football fan of the Gators, and hockey's about to start up. Um, that's generally what I would be streaming um, when it's on. Um, other than that, I like um, like documentaries, um, like things like that. But it's all over the place because I work and then I go eat dinner and then hang out with the kids and watch their cartoons till we go to bed. <laughs> a couple years, I'll have a different answer for you. But for now, it's skip in a shows. few years we'll redo this interview. It's like YouTube, how do you? I don't know. Uh, build a little thing with your, you know, with some wood or something like that. I watch a ton of YouTube. Yeah, videos. DIY stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that too. I've been debating what I want to do with my back wall for like six months. And every project I said, go, wow, I should totally do this. Um, 
but I can't like decide. So final <laughs> question. What's your favorite music? Uh, I love tons of music right now. I listen to a lot of just sort of chill stuff. Um, I don't really know the bands because I let my Spotify sort of pick the songs for me throughout the day. Um, but some of my favorite bands go, you know, they're like 90s rock bands. You have uh, Foo Fighter and Fuel, and then you go back. Pearl Jam. Um, I, I like I like that sort of 90s indie alt rock um, stuff. Or going back, 80s hair bands, classic rock, Creedence Clearwater. You just can't go wrong with those. Um, sometimes it makes for like really good music, but when you're getting it, you're doing pen tests or something like that, um, you know, pro- <laughs> Sometimes Creedence Clearwater, you need to switch that up for, for something a little bit more like, you know, house music paste uh, to get yeah. your blood flowing. <laughs> a little bit of EDM. Um, I find myself that when I'm trying to do something that's that's kind of big picture, I, I tend to listen to like, you know, faster paced music than if I'm trying to, you know, read something, then I may put something very chill and like that'll let me sink into what I'm reading rather than sing the words. So if I'm reading, I'm listening to like wordless music. So it could be classical or jazz yeah. or, you know, if I'm working, then. The know. last, the last band I played uh, on, on the kitchen, I was cooking dinner was Frank Turner. So there's okay. a good, good one. If you guys haven't heard of Frank Turner, he's a, he's a guy from England does some really good, uh, some really good songs that are, that are fun. It's awesome. Brian, I want to say thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I'm really grateful uh, to you uh, for coming on and sharing uh, all of this awesome stuff. Um, some great takeaways from today's show. But the fact that, you know, CISOs at security companies are just like every other CISOs, only they're held to a higher standard. Folks, understand that. Um, that's 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 uh, extremely critical because security is a very, very tough business. Folks, that's it for this week's CISO Talk Business. Brian, how can people uh, connect with you? I don't do much of the Twitter or anything like that. You can find me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn slash IN slash privacy dash policy. Yes, that's me. They let you set your own URL and I snagged that one for fun. Um, <laughs> so you can find me there on LinkedIn um, and uh, join my network. Happy to Happy to link up with you. All right, folks, uh, connect with Brian. Uh, His LinkedIn profile will be linked in the show notes. (laughs) So you can just go down to our, if you're watching us on YouTube, just scroll right down, extend, turn on the show notes. By the way, while you're at it, if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast listening platform, please make sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. That's it for this week's CISO Talk. We'll be back next week with a lot more stuff as we head into October and National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which to me only means one thing a lot of overused content. So hopefully we'll keep it fresh right here on fresh the content. Cyber Hub podcast. Until next week, have a great rest of your day. Tune into the Cyber Hub podcast. Don't miss it. Daily, 9 a.m. And uh, during the month of October, every Thursday, someone from No Before will be joining me to talk about awareness. So don't miss that. Till then, folks, cheers. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay cyber safe. Thanks, everyone. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.